A couple of Oklahoma's defensive pieces have decided to return for 2023. The college football playoff semifinal Saturday was fantastic. What does that mean for Oklahoma? Could they pull a TCU? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at LinkedInJobs.com. Sorry, LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, Oklahoma Sooners fans, Happy New Year, everybody. Ah, you beat me to it. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. Sooner Nation, Happy New Year to uh, all of you. And to those of you who maybe aren't a part of the Sooner Nation, but for some reason have found us here on the uh, – podcast side or on youtube happy new year to uh to all out there i'll tell you who it was a very happy new year for and that is well really college football fans right i mean are you kidding me the college football playoff games were just incredible john and uh, a very happy new year indeed to one sunny dykes and tcu yeah, an absolutely incredible story that the the TCU Horn Frogs in year one were able to do what they did just in the Big 12 and then to be able to go into the college ball playoff and beat Michigan. But we're going to talk about the playoff in the second and third segment. We're going to talk about what it might mean for Oklahoma. And uh, but first, let's get off get off the top. Let's jump on this. Woody Washington, Isaiah Coe announced that they were going to be returning on Sunday on social media to the Oklahoma Sooners for 2023. Josh. Just we'll start with Woody Washington. What does it mean for the Oklahoma Sooners and, and how important is it that he's back? Well, I think it's I think it's huge that he's back for Oklahoma. I don't know that it's a surprise that Woody Washington is back. I think that he sort of needs a a season that coincides with Oklahoma being really good in the defensive backfield and some production back there. I think we've seen flashes throughout his career that Woody Washington is somebody that can be an NFL type cornerback, right? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that he could be a draft pick going forward for, you know, for himself. And then, you know, coming out of the university of Oklahoma, John, but the bottom line is Oklahoma, the last two years has really had some problems in the defensive backfield. They clearly this season had problems all over the football field defensively. So all of which is to say, definitely think he has the ability to be an NFL draft pick, but probably it would behoove him to combine that with Oklahoma playing better in the secondary and uh, just individually, you know, his play back there in the secondary. But, you know, you look big picture at what Oklahoma will have back there. Billy Bowman, very, very talented. We'll see uh, about Peyton Bowen's ability to step right in. I'm excited about some of the young players like a Robert Spears Jennings, uh, Key Lawrence. So they've got some interesting options. CJ Colden is a name I think to keep an eye on definitely for Oklahoma. Hopefully you get good news on that decision there too, because then all of a sudden, you think about Colden and Washington coming back, and that's a pretty nice little starting point at the cornerback spot for Oklahoma. And then you kind of just look within at some younger names 
maybe John that as soon as uh, you know next season can really take uh, you know steps of growth and be depth pieces for OU or perhaps somebody a couple of names perhaps in this signing class that can help out Oklahoma. But I guess uh, in closing, in opening here on Woody Washington, it's great news at the quarterback position for Oklahoma. It's uh, it's huge, I think, for the defensive backfield to have somebody that. I mean, what are we looking at? Do you have his list of starts in front of you? It's it's a bunch for Oklahoma. It's a ton of snaps that he's played at OU. So from just simply a an experience standpoint, gigantic. Woody Washington was fourth on the team in snaps uh, behind your linebacker trio of Stutzman, White, and Aguebu. Uh, he had 889 snaps this season uh, for Oklahoma. And so over the course of his career, he's played 1,700 snaps over four seasons. Uh, you know, in, in his 2019 season, he only played 87 snaps, really kind of came onto the scene in 2020, which I thought, honestly, 2020 was one of his, was probably his best year. Uh, 2021 was solid. And then I think in 2022, kind of, as you mentioned, it was just the defense as a whole just really struggled, but I mean, he graded out in 2022 as his best season, um, as a defender, you know, you look at pro football focus grades, um, you know, which don't always tell the whole story, uh, but he had the fifth highest defensive grade on the team behind Ethan Downs, Jordan Kelly, Deshaun White, and Jeffrey Johnson, uh, in coverage, uh, Woody Washington was, was again fifth on the team in coverage grade, so uh, a really good player. I, I, he, we saw him make really competitive plays uh, in the Cheez It Bowl just this past week against Florida State. I do think that another year with Oklahoma would help kind of solidify his pro prospects a little bit more. I do like that he's returning just because it provides again more depth for you. If if Woody Washington is one of your corners, a guy that you can rely on, he's steady. You know, aside from the 2021 season where he dealt with injuries, he really hadn't dealt with injuries very much. I mean, you talked about how many games he started. I mean, he started a lot this year. Um, I just went away from it over there on Pro Football Focus. Let me see if I can find it again real quick. Uh, but, you know, this past season, he started every single game, you know, all 13 games for you. Um, in 2022, he or sorry, 21, he started one, two, three, four, five games for you. Again, dealt with some injuries. In 2020, he started half the season. The second half of the season, he was kind of more of a rotational player early on, but came on strong down the stretch uh, for the Sooners in 2020. So, again, an important piece, someone who's played a lot of snaps for you and honestly has been your best corner for the last two years at least, maybe three. Um, And if that's somebody that you can count on, they're – at cornerback, then maybe you know you you kind of get a little bit better play um, on the other side. You know, maybe it's C.J. Colden, maybe it's a Gentry Williams, maybe one of the true freshmen. You know, come on the scene and and play really strong. I don't know, but it, it's it's good to get upperclassmen back because it helps just solidify the depth all the way around. That's the thing we've really touched on a lot on this show over the last couple months is that the team's depth has to be better. Uh, across the board from the defensive front on back. They just didn't have enough depth to sustain their level of play for a full four quarters. So getting Woody Washington back is going to help that. Now you add pieces like Gentry Williams to the cornerback room where you, I would imagine he's going to play a lot more than he did in his freshman season. CJ Colden comes back, has a full, a full year, a full off season with the Sooner strength and conditioning coaches with the defensive staff 
getting more acclimated and more uh, comfortable with the defensive scheme. And I mean, we saw what kind of playmaker he was for the Oklahoma Sooners when he was just around for, you know, what, six months, you know, came in as a summer enrollee. So a full off season with this team, who knows what he could be for, for the Oklahoma Sooners. So Woody Washington, if CJ Colton comes back, you kind of cross your fingers. That's a really nice starting duo at cornerback. And then you just kind of hope that the rest of the, of the cornerback death chart kind of raises its game a little bit. The other guy that decided to return to the Oklahoma Sooners defensive tackle, Isaiah Coe. Uh, Coe was a player that I think really started to shine at different points in this season, uh, finished seventh on the team in total pressures with 13. Um, according to pro football focus had three sacks and 13 total stops. So uh, another piece to that defensive tackle rotation that was just, I thought, at times was really good and he provided kind of a lift at different times. Both of these two guys were talking about, man, a lot of production that they're bringing back. I was just perusing some of the statistics and I know that probably we went over some of these, but Woody Washington, 33 games that he's played in his career, 154 tackles of TFL, five interceptions, 17 passes defensed and similar for Isaiah Coe, right? 24 games that he's appeared in over the last couple of seasons and really his production skyrocketing this season, 20 tackles as compared to nine the year before eight TFLs as compared to four and a half. I mean, that was productive in 2021, but really in 2022, you know, obviously much more productive couple of sacks. So Isaiah Coe is somebody that I've been kind of singing his praises for a little while here, John. I, I think that he should play more. I like what he brings inside for Oklahoma. So I think he's uh, shown himself to be very productive. And for an Oklahoma team that you're waiting, some defensive tackle depth to develop, boy, he's instrumental. He's pivotal. Yeah. So getting, again, getting a a nice depth piece to come back. Uh, We haven't heard from Jordan Kelly, but I believe he'll probably be back. You got Grayson Halton that you, you like, and you think can be a part of that defensive tackle rotation, Kelvin Gilliam as well. And then you had a guy like Derek LeBlanc to the interior defensive line group. And I mean, the, the talent is improving. Is it elite yet across the board on the, the defensive front? Not yet, but every year that you add talent and you get to retain some of that experienced talent, they're not transferring out or they're not going to the NFL. That's a plus for you as a team. So again, it doesn't mean that they're going to go and win the big 12 title. They're going to win the national championship, but it's just part of that building process where you're, you're retooling your defense from losing so many guys to the NFL draft guys to the transfer portal over the last two years. And honestly trying to build a better defense than what you had under Alex Grinch. And that kind of takes time, especially after you lose guys like Nick Bonito and Jalen Redmond and Perry Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas and, Deller and Turner yell and uh, man, Pat, Pat Fields and David Guaybu and um, you know, now Deshaun white declared for the NFL draft and just a whole host of guys over the last you know year, the last two off seasons that you were losing to the NFL. You got It takes time to rebuild that, but being able to retain some guys, add to the talent with your top five recruiting class in 2023 cycle, the top eight recruiting class in 2022 cycle, it'll continue to stack. Coaches always talk about stacking good days on top of good days. You got to do the same thing each off season. You got to stack a good off season on top of a good off season. And 
retaining Woody Washington for another year, retaining Isaiah Coe for another year on top of what they've done in the transfer portal, on top of what they've done in the 2023 recruiting cycle is only going to benefit Oklahoma in 2023 and in the long run as well. Josh, anything else you want to mention on these two guys before we take a break and we start talking college football playoff stuff? Well, I think this is probably something we'll spend a lot of time just at various intervals throughout the offseason talking about. But, you know, Oklahoma did lose a lot defensively, right? Uh, really, the 2021 offseason going into this 2022 season, and it is what it is. I mean, we have to acknowledge the serious production that Oklahoma lost. They did. I think what we unfortunately saw, John, is, uh, you know, the recruiting probably wasn't good enough defensively, right, to curtail those sorts of losses, to be prepared to handle those sorts of losses. The reality that I keep coming back to is this, though. Yeah, Oklahoma lost a ton, and they lost a bunch of production, and that's that's real. There's no changing that. We can run down the list of names that uh, either went to the draft or, you know, in you know, Fields' case, DeLaren Turner Yell's case, made other decisions, right? The bottom line is Oklahoma needs to be in a place to where they're comfortable replacing that type of production every single offseason. They weren't comfortable replacing that type of production this past offseason. And the bottom line is Oklahoma needs to get to that point to where defensively they've recruited well enough, right, in consecutive years to where they're just – they're ready for some of that, whether it's the transfer portal, whether it's the NFL draft, on and on and on, Right because that's the reality of college football wasn't the case. And I think you give this staff, you give them the get out of jail free card in the sense that it's really not their fault in a lot of ways that Oklahoma wasn't positioned to withstand that. Now they're hopefully through these recruiting classes, these signing classes, John get to the point where they will be, but that's neither here nor there. Can Oklahoma make this big leapfrog jump? Well, TCU was able to do it. Let's talk about that right after I talked to you about LinkedIn jobs, LinkedIn, it's the uh, place to go to, to make sure that you are hiring the folks that you need to bring aboard your team. It's easy. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to work and beyond to the world's professional network. You over add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got what uh, everybody loves which is simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right set of skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Uh, again, easy linkedin.com slash locked on college, where you can go and post that job for free linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. So really in the grand scheme of the college football playoff, John, what TCU has done, what Sonny Dykes has done, and I get, you know, there's going to be the parallels. Well, look what he did in year one, and look what Brent Venables, and we could spend all offseason talking about that. I don't necessarily want to dissect that right here. I think it's a fair critique for somebody out there, but really the point of this is TCU is a unicorn in a lot of ways because we honestly haven't seen a lot of folks in the college football playoff era, John, be where TCU was this time a year ago to now they're playing for a national championship, right? The only other program, and help me out, John, if I'm missing somebody, LSU comes to mind in that regard. Joe Burrow and company just all of a sudden 
overnight they're setting all these records. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback nationally. Now it helps they have all the type of skill talent that they did. I mean, think of all the NFL wide receivers that LSU team had that Oklahoma had to face. And they had plenty of defensive talent before it was all said and done too. My point is, when we ask the question, can OU do what TCU has done? My simple answer is, yeah, absolutely Oklahoma can do that. I think it's totally within the realm of possibility for Oklahoma to, from year one of Brent Venables to year two, win the Big 12 championship, get into the college football playoff. And hypothetically, when you're there, if you are vastly, vastly, vastly improved defensively, let's make no bones about it, they would have to get light years better defensively to even have this be a realistic conversation. But if you ask me just simplistically, could they do it? Hypothetically, is it possible? Yes. Realistically, probably we you know, want to set the bar quite a bit further down than that. Uh, I mean, to be realistic, but hey, is it possible? Can you have that light at the end of the tunnel dream? Sure. But I say that with the realization that honestly, John, what TCU has done has been almost like a Disney movie. I mean, it's crazy the type of season that they have had when you really step away from it and think about it because, again, we just haven't really seen anybody do this in the college football playoff era. Yeah, you mentioned LSU. LSU was 10-3 and the season before they went undefeated and won the national title. So it's, again, it's a unicorn situation. TCU last year, they were 5-7. and They went 3-6 and in the Big 12, fired Gary Patterson midseason, they started this year with their backup quarterback Chandler or sorry, with Chandler Morris as their starter. Max Duggan was their backup. They lost Zach Evans, one of the better running backs in the country to the transfer portal from, you know, a season ago, he goes to Ole Miss. Kendra Miller puts up a, just as good of a season, if not better than, than anything Zach Evans did at TCU. It, it, it was just kind of like all these things came together in the perfect storm. Max Duggan had the best year of his career at TCU at the same time that, you know, Quentin Johnston, you know, he, he hadn't broken out cause he'd done that before, but put together another great season. Kendrick Miller had a great season. The thing that really stands out to me when I watched TCU football, and it stood out to me back in October when Oklahoma played them is there's such a physical football team. They reminded me of Baylor a year ago and, and, and to an extent this year too, but they were just so physical on both sides of the football up front at the linebacker level. And even in the secondary, I mean, this was a team that, I mean, it did not look like your typical big 12 team. Like this was not your older brother's big 12 football team going to the college football playoff. This was not your Oklahoma team going into the college football playoff. And I think that's the part of Oklahoma we see glimpses of, right? We see glimpses of Oklahoma becoming this physical football team under Brent Venables. It's not there yet. It's not consistently there. And so if I'm looking at this as a, Hey, I'm going to put on my crimson colored shades at the moment. I'm going to drink some crimson Kool-Aid and talk about how Oklahoma could have a similar kind of resurgence, a similar rise to the top. It's in that it's finding a way to consistently play physical football on either on both sides of the ball because you talked about defense improvement on Saturday on semifinal Saturday. I saw some defense. I didn't see great defense. I saw some good defensive plays, some pick sixes, some sacks, some fumbles. But again, these teams were putting up 40, 50 points against each other. Georgia's defense gave up a ton of points to Ohio state. 
TCU's defense gave up a ton of points to Michigan, Michigan's to TCU. And I look at it, I'm like, and I, and I hate to go back to the, we were close thing. Cause that's such a, like a caricature right now of Oklahoma football, but a few plays here or there, and they're a much better team than they were. The, do they beat TCU with Dylan Gabriel for four quarters? Probably not. Do they beat Texas? Maybe not, but I think they're a lot better team. So if this, if this team kind of improves their level of physicality, playing consistent football for four quarters and getting better in crunch time, because really that's what it comes down to TCU really, really good in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma, not so good in the fourth quarter. So if they can find out ways to improve the physicality, playing better in the fourth quarter, winning these closer games, then they might have a shot. Do I believe that they'll go from six and seven to national title contender next year? No, I've been on, I've gone on record on this show saying, I I don't think that we should have high expectations for this team until 2024. When we see the first two recruiting classes have, you know, multiple years in the program and 2024 being the, the kind of the season where both 2022 and 2023 really start to take the field and become the key element to this, this program from Jackson Arnold in 2023, two guys like Robert Spears Jennings, Gentry Williams, Grayson Halton in 2022, Caden Green, Jacoby, like these two recruiting classes will really start to see the program take shape with them as key core components to that football team in 24 and 25. So again, I don't want to sit here and say, no, they can't do that because I'm sure there'll be people that will watch this back a year from now and be like, ah, John, you're an idiot. But I just think it's highly unlikely for them to go from six and seven to, yeah, being one of the best teams in college football. They've got some pieces that make it slightly possible. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it. I don't have that expectation. If they're, I would hope that they're more like an eight and four, nine and three team next year. Anything better than that would be great. But yeah, until until we see several cycles really start to take the football field for Brent Venables. I have a hard time believing that they're going to have this kind of like resurgent year and go, you know, become the big 12 champion and go to the college football playoff next year. Yeah. It feels like that's, I don't know, a a little glass too, too half full to think or prognosticate that, but you know, look, uh, frankly, TCU kind of came out of nowhere. Right. So, I mean, this would be Oklahoma kind of replicating probably a lot of what TCU has done this season. So it's not impossible. Is it the most realistic thing? No. But uh, as an Oklahoma fan, you kind of always say, well, can we? So I don't think it's crazy as a fan to, to want that or to always kind of in the back of your mind say, okay, well, what, what needs to happen to have that occur? But then also, also, John, keeping sort of, it in context here that okay it's probably pretty unlikely and more than that what your goal should be is to be you know big 12 champion in contention to be a big 12 champion legitimate signs of progress defensively i mean that's that's step one right is just just don't be hapless defensively but it's uh it's fascinating to think about you know the other thought that occurred to me just there listening to you and kind of you know, thinking about this weekend that was in the college football playoff, 
look, 2022 is done for Oklahoma. There's no getting it back. There's no fixing the wrongs that are out there until you get out, you know, on the gridiron in 2023. But just watching these games play out, like what you said, there is not this dominant team in this college football playoff. It doesn't look like coming off of uh, each of the two semifinal games that we saw. We'll see, you know, uh, Georgia is obviously has been installed as a big favorite in the national championship game over TCU. I think it's a two score favorite, at least to start. And maybe it plays out that way where Georgia reminds us all before it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, this is a dominant run that the Bulldogs are on right now. And they're clearly the best team in college football, but it didn't look or feel that way versus an Ohio state team that, Oh, by the way, really kind of got embarrassed in the second half by Michigan, right? Who TCU just beat. So with all of that being said, you know, it's not maybe like it's been in other college football playoffs past where there is this head and shoulders better team. And that's a frustrating thing to wrap your mind around as an Oklahoma fan when you've been a part of so many of these playoffs and gotten pushed around at times or, you know, the 17 season felt like the year that got away. It's like, man, if you had had that team this season, maybe we're talking about Oklahoma winning a college football playoff and winning its eighth national championship. But again, that's sort of a silly conversation, right? Because this year's it's all said and done. It's more about what can you get fixed going in to 2023. Yeah, we'll have a few more takeaways from the college football playoff before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, Josh was talking about uh, TCU being a, kind of a big underdog in that final or in the national championship game. And right now over at Bet Online. Uh, Georgia is a 13 and a half point favorite. The over under though is set at 62 and a half. So the folks over at bet online are expecting big points again in the national championship game. You want to get it on the action bet online is the best place to bet on all your favorite sports from college football, to the NFL NFL playoffs are just a couple weeks away. Now we just finished or we're finishing up, uh, what week 17, the final week of the regular seasons next week. And then we kick off wildcard. You want to get in on it? Go to bet online. You also got MLB futures, NBA, NHL action as well, MMA, esports, boxing, anything you can think of, you can get it in at bet online. It's the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. So, Josh, just a few more takeaways from the college football playoff. I sat there watching these two games play out on, on Saturday afternoon and evening and thinking, why were we upset about expansion? Like, remember everybody saying, well, it's just going to be the top two teams going to dominate everybody anyway. Georgia's just going to roll through everybody. Maybe not so much. Like, maybe parity is a lot closer to college football than what we realized. And teams like TCU, teams like Ohio State, who got, you know, uh, boat raced at home by Michigan. Uh, it makes me wonder, what would a team like Utah have done? had they had a matchup with a Michigan or an Ohio state, what would a, a team like you know, Clemson Clemson's not the best, you know, conference championship winner, but they won their conference. So what would they have done uh, in an intriguing matchup? I mean, they got some good defensive pieces down there. What would USC like, how great would it have been to have Caleb Williams in one of these games? Like we loved watching CJ Stroud go to work uh, against Georgia and really solidify himself as a top five quarterback prospect. Uh, I mean, it was it was kind of a shame that Bryce Young wasn't there after the game that he had against Kansas State. Like, I just watched that thinking this was fantastic. And in 2024, we're going to get even more of this. 
And I know people are going to sit back and be like, oh, you can't judge it based on one year. Well, I think every single year that plays out gets a, you know, get, provides more parity because kids aren't, as we're seeing with the transfer portal, kids aren't willing to sit around and wait their turn to get playing time. They want to go where they can play. And if you're a good player, you're going to get opportunities to play early on in your career. And I think that's creating this, this dynamic where talent is getting more evenly spread out. Now you still got the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Texases and now Oklahoma, Ohio state, these teams that recruit at a much higher level than everybody else. But I think it's, again, it's kind of spreading out a little bit more where every team is going to have an opportunity to kind of put together one of these classes here and there and have a chance to compete um, at the highest level. I think for the longest time, I was probably more on the keep it at four train. Uh, Honestly, eh, did we even need to add it to where it's the college football playoff and make it for the BCS championship? Seemingly uh, was right more times than not. We've seen so many bad college football playoff semifinal games. Obviously, this year was amazing, right? Both CFP games were awesome. We really haven't seen a lot of that, save for one Rose Bowl with Oklahoma and Georgia. But the more this thing has gone along and we've had the playoff the way that we've had it, John, I've come to the opposite side, right? To where it's, it just makes so much more sense to have the 12 team playoff. It solves problems for you. I don't subscribe to the theory that it makes the regular season worse. I can turn around and make an argument in a lot of cases that it makes more regular season games mean more. So to me, it's like you set it up to where all of these, these conference championship games, they just matter more to get you a bid into the college football playoff. And you talked about uh, some of these games, man, it is what it is. You're telling me that based on what you watched in the college football playoff, that Alabama, I'm not saying they deserve to be in by their regular season. I don't think that they do. And I, that's part of the argument I would make to keeping it where it's at is because I do like that element of it to where the regular season in that sense matters. And certain teams do quote unquote, get punished or rewarded based on how the the regular season played out. But you can't look at me with a straight face, I don't think, and tell me that after what you saw from Bryce Young in Alabama versus Kansas State and what you saw in the college football playoff that Alabama couldn't have gotten into this thing and won the national championship, right? There's probably some people that are pretty happy that Alabama is not in this college football playoff field, namely both Georgia and TCU, who have now won and are going to play for a national championship. But obviously, I mean, to me, I come away from – what they did to Kansas State and say definitely they could have won a national championship if they got in in under a 12-team format, they would. The other part of that is, you know, you mentioned Clemson. What about Tennessee that loses its quarterback, but then now with a little bit of time, look what they did to Clemson, right? 31-14, to 14, they win the, that Capital One Orange Bowl going away. And, you know, Milton was really, really good in the game for Tennessee, but – it, it's tough, right? All of a sudden, you have to step right in and take over for a Hendon hooker, but all of a sudden, you get a little bit of prep time. It's somebody that, again, when you talk about the totality of the regular season, if Alabama's the case where you don't want to put them in, well, Tennessee's the opposite case to where you say, man, kind of unfortunate timing on an injury. Would it have played out differently for hooker? Okay, well, now they get a little bit, again, more prep time, and look what Milton and Tennessee and Hypel were able to do to Clemson. So what would they have done in a college football playoff. So all of it is a long-winded way to say, man, I think, yeah, more is fine. More is probably going to be better. And finally, we had a year where these college football playoff semifinals kind of show us, okay, yeah, we could get more out of more in the college football playoff. It doesn't just have to be blowouts. 
yeah, and I just think it, it creates more intrigue for everybody involved. And, you know, shout out to our guy, Stephen Simcox over at Locked on Horn Frogs. If you're just wanting more TCU coverage this week heading into the college football playoff or the college football national championship, go subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Again, Locked on Horn Frogs or Locked on TCU on your podcast channel as well. It does a great job just kind of breaking everything down. I watched this show from last night. It was just fantastic. And, you know, if it couldn't be us, we're glad it was Steven. He's just a good dude. Always enjoyed interacting with him on the on the uh, round tables for locked on big 12. And so it's, um, you know, shout out to a guy who's been doing his show now for about as long as I've been here on locked on Sooners and the, the seasons they've had as a horn frog fan to, to get to this point, like, okay, all right, Oklahoma, we're going to get back there. If TCU can do it, we can do it. Who knows when, but we can do it. We can get there ourselves. So it's going to be a lot of fun when that happens. So go subscribe to his show. Go follow his show this week as he gets you ready for TCU, Georgia. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I know Georgia is this juggernaut and has so much defensive talent and really good offensive talent as well. But I just, man, I feel like TCU just got lightning in a bottle. They just have belief. You know what I mean? Like that Herb Brooks miracle on ice type belief that they can play with anybody, win every game, it doesn't matter the opponent. And so that's going to make for a really, really fascinating national championship game next week. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game at, at different points this week, and then we'll kind of recap it later on down the road. We're going to continue to cover the transfer portal stuff uh, here on Locked On Sooners. And, hey, softball season, baseball season, they're not far out. So we're going to have to we'll, we'll start digging into that as well. We'll have some people on to help us get ready for baseball and softball season as we get closer. And we got hopefully a big interview coming up this week. We'll give you more details on that when it happens. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Go subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop and the like button as well. Comment on the show. Interact with some of the, the other Locked On Sooners viewers as well just to enjoy the time. And, hey, we're going to have our live show on Monday night where we'll talk some more about Oklahoma's 2022 season, just some of the things that didn't go well. Uh and what they got to do to get better and improve and, and where they can go in 2023. But until then, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer sooner. <laughs>